This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. I'm Clayton. I'm the Creative Arts Director here at Wellhouse Church, and this is our lovely pastor, Cullen. What's up, man? Not much, man. How's it going? Good. I'm excited. I, uh, I'm excited for this podcast uh, specifically. This might be one of the podcasts I'm most excited for. Yeah, um, it's this, definitely probably one of the most like actually spiritually impactful and to to, to yeah, your own spiritual walk. I think, yeah, I think so. I, you know, there's there's a lot of value in in taking a deeper look at scripture. There's a lot of value in talking about the intersection of faith and culture, and there's a lot of value in talking about theology and doctrine and that kind of thing, but maybe the thing that's most important for actually living a faith is your quiet time or devotional time that, um, we in, you know, Southern Bible belt evangelical churches like to call it. I mean, different people call it different things, but, uh, and, and it's something that we don't do a good job of talking about. Um, we might say very ambiguously like, Oh yeah, when you pray this week or, you know, go read, let's read through this book together or something. But overall, we don't do a good job of really digging down and saying, okay, what does it mean for each individual person to have a good spiritual time of devotion? You know, growing up, I was always taught that um, your daily devotion needed to follow like some sort of set structure, right? Where you open with prayer um, and maybe you have some worship music music playing in the background yep. or um, and you pray some whether you pray the Lord's Prayer like directly or whether you pray some some varied form following the same template yeah um, which I think is valuable but um, yeah use sparingly right because that can get really boring <laughs> yeah it can for sure I think you know here, I, I grew up in, and we grew up in yeah. a kind of staunch fundamentalist Baptist kind of expression of church. Sure. And, um, one of the things that, that happens in that particular expression of church is that there's a rigidity yeah. um, to your expression of structure. There's a one way to do something. Mm-hmm. And that is the absolute way to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so... Maybe when you're a youth, it's it's on a, a smaller scale. Yeah. But it's the same formula. Yeah. Right. So if you're a youth, you're gonna read your Bible for 15 minutes and you're gonna pray for five. Right. But when you're adult, you better read that Bible for 45 <laughs> and pray for a minimum 15. Right. Yeah. You better give the Lord the, an hour in the first hour of the day. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's just not how it works. Well, it's just real. Like, it's not real invigorating when you do that. No, it, it becomes, it, it feels like a chore. Yeah. Right? It, it doesn't feel like you're actually having community and, and togetherness with God. It's right? not life-giving. No, it it's not. It doesn't give life back to you. 
Um, and maybe it does for some. Yeah, so that's right. what I was going to say. I think for some people, it probably does. Um, and specifically, right, and this is this is how it always happens in churches, but we get instruction from sure. the top. Yeah. And so just knowing a lot of pastors, like maybe that's life-giving for pastors right. who live in this, right? right? They live in the text. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's life giving to them, but when you work a nine to five, and especially if you have like a job where you're doing technical reading all day, like maybe going home and reading 45 minutes of Paul bash the Corinthian church for being hedonist, like maybe that's not the thing you want to do. And maybe you're a shift worker and, and you wake up and you're like, yo, I'm, I'm whooped. I'm dog tired. I'm yeah. whooped. Yeah. Like I, I don't have it in me right now. You know, yeah. and maybe you find that time where you're ready, you know, after lunch, you know, or yeah. um, maybe you find that you need to take a few minutes to to practice the breath prayer, which we're going to talk about some. Right. Yeah. You want to take a, a moment to talk about the breath prayer a little bit? Yeah, so we can. So uh, as an intro to this, if if you are from an evangelical conservative kind of expression of faith, you likely will have never heard of the breath prayer or breath prayers in general. No. Um, and it's pretty common in liturgical expressions. So mm-hmm. Anglicanism, um, Episcopalian, uh, which is just the American version of that. Uh, those types of Methodist Methodism, mm-hmm. they would have some expression of that. But what, what happened was the, Conservative, low church, evangelical expressions looked at, at high church expressions yeah. with their hierarchies right. and said, we don't, we don't want that. And so what ended up happening was we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Everything that came with high church, except for the fundamentals of the faith, right. we threw out, which means that we had hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. of spiritual disciplines they got thrown out yeah. and we were left with scripture reading and prayer that's all we had left and and more specifically spontaneous prayer right right you praying petitionary spontaneous prayer and depending on what expression you come from that may be in tongues that, yeah, that, yeah yeah that may just be um a really long prayer before you eat you know yeah. like um but to some extent, it's always spontaneous yeah. petitionary prayer. Yeah. What the spiritual disciplines have shown us, as we're going to uh, talk about in, in later at a later date on this podcast, is that the church has practiced prayer a whole lot of ways mm. throughout a long history yeah. of the church and the Christian expression. Yeah. And I, I always say this, that to deny the work of the God in history is to deny the move, the movement of the spirit in history. Sure. In the history of the people following Jesus. And so there's a lot of value in looking back to seeing how they did things. Yeah. And one of the things that they did, and this is specifically in the monastic tradition, which had a high, high emphasis on prayer life. Yeah. And so they looked at places like where Paul would say, pray without ceasing. Okay, what what does it mean to actually pray without ceasing? Paul, did you, as you're sitting there stitching the tent, right. and you've got a really rough stitch, are, are you are you praying or are you focusing on how to get that stitch completed? Yeah. Well, you're probably focusing on how to get that stitch completed. 
I mean, yeah. I just don't think I mean, anybody who works with their hands knows that when yeah. things get complicated, it takes a lot of attention. Yeah. And so when Paul says pray without ceasing, he can't literally mean every moment of every day no. praying. No. When you're having a conversation with someone, you're not, as we're sitting here having a conversation, I, like I can't be having a genuine conversation with you and listening to you and, and, and praying. Right. Like I, it just, it doesn't work. That That's not our minds. Our brain doesn't work that way. Right. And so the breath prayer, prayer was this thing invented that as you're, you're going about and you find a spare moment, mm-hmm. you would have a moment and it's a prayer that takes the length of a breath. Right. And so originally the prayer was, as you breathe in, you would say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And then as you breathe out, oh, this sinner in need of repentance. Right. It's So it's this prayer that we have that takes the length of a breath. And most people would repeat it three times. Right. That, that same idea of taking three deep breaths to kind of calm yourself. Yeah, level right. your spirit, anxiety, that kind of thing. So that was originally the breath prayer. And today I use this almost daily uh, because every time I get a notification on my Apple Watch mm-hmm. to do the breathing exercises, I take it as an opportunity to do breath prayer. Right. So it's it's little things like this that, that we forget or we don't know about that help us, they give us a tool belt mm-hmm. um, for, for a better prayer life or a better life of devotion to Jesus. Yeah. And as, as we grew up thinking you had to read your Bible and pray every day and there was a rigidity to it, right? Like today I'm going to read Matthew one and tomorrow I'm going to read Matthew two and we go about and, right. Oh, I'm going to pray for, you know, this thing that I need, or I'm right. going to pray for this or, God, today I'm going to pray for my friends who need help, right? Like yeah. just that level of rigidity doesn't work for most people. Right. Most people are not structured at that level. And because of that, that's not life-giving for most people. Sure. I, I consider myself to be a pretty structured person. Yeah. And that's not life-giving to me. No. It's hard. Yeah, it's not good. Now, we know people who've done it for 20 years. Absolutely. And are, are very most content. Of, most of the older people in our lives do that. Yeah, and they're very content with that. Yeah. But for me, it just doesn't work. And so I've embarked upon this journey of studying spiritual disciplines. And the way I like to talk about it is when I sit down to do a devotion time, I want it to feel more like picking up prescription pills yeah. Where I know what's prescribed and I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to get this result out of it. Sure. I want to, I want to open up a breakfast menu. Yeah. I want to have a world of options available to me through yeah. which there are some times where I want to eat healthy and I want to go mm-hmm. with the thing that's utilitarian. Mm-hmm. But there are other times that, man, I want to feast on the breakfast hash sure. or I want to feast on the steak and eggs or, yeah. you know, the all-star breakfast. Right. I'm going to town. I'm getting the waffles. I'm getting the pancakes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting everything under the sun. Yeah. I, w- I want to have the freedom to open up a menu and say, here's what's on tap for today. Yeah. I can I can go for the big meal or I can go with just enough to sustain me to lunch yeah. and, and carry that throughout the day, right? I mean, yeah. there are other prayers that we're going to talk about, like the examine that are great to yeah. do at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. A breath prayers, praying the hours, the centering prayer when you're in a state of anxiety, right? All of these things, when you have them in your tool belt, 
it makes it a whole lot easier to live in a state of practicing the presence of God. So something else we're going to talk a lot about on here is, is the Enneagram. Um, so um, the Enneagram is, is pretty prescriptive, right? It um, can be. Yeah, there, there is um, nine numbers, and, and they all basically have um, this, uh, this idea that a, a certain person... Um, kind of falls within a category it's very similar to like the myers-briggs or, or it's yeah. different than the myers-briggs yeah but, quite different than the myers-briggs but, but it, it, it's, it's a personality type test that yeah. categorizes people according to nine stereotypical or prototypical prototypical is a better word yeah um and so we're we're gonna do a, a kind of a dive into 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 those and what that means for for spiritual growth yeah um, I, I think that's important because when we say there's only one way to have a, a quiet time or devotion sure. time. Well, that, that that means it only works for one type of person. And, and the prescriptive idea of a quiet time or the daily devotion that we were just talking about, yeah. um, it, it, if you really look at it um, at, at its fundamentals, it probably really only works for the ones on the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm an Enneagram one, and it doesn't work for me all the time. Right, but... Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm looking, well, it might work for a five. It could work for a five. But, I mean, I'm looking at it and going, sevens definitely aren't digging that. I'm a six, and I can guarantee to you it don't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I think fours being in their feels like that, yeah. they're not they're not getting that. And they, everyone who is really unfamiliar with the Enneagram, I'm sorry that we're just throwing around these numbers. I promise in later yeah. episodes we're going to talk about them more. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair point. But I think, so I think for us, the Enneagram is going to be the one that we default to mm -hmm. because number one, because it's easiest. Number yeah. two, it's, it's the one that maybe people are most common for. It's the one that's pretty prevalent today. We, we have good friends sure. that do a lot of work with the Enneagram yeah. uh, and, and specifically spirituality and yeah. its connectedness with the Enneagram. And so we're going to default to the Enneagram, but it's just a good way to say that uh, personality types affect the way that we interact with the world. Yeah. So maybe we should also think about that, that our personality type is affected by how we engage with God. Absolutely. Um, and so we could engage in for, for what might work as an engagement for one person, probably not going to work for everyone. Right. Right. Um, and so using something like the, a tool like the Enneagram mm -hmm. uh, and we'll, as we begin to talk more about the Enneagram, we'll put links in the show notes to tests sure. so you can go take the Enneagram test to figure out your number. But if you want to know now, just Google Enneagram test and the, 50 million will pop up. The The eclectic energies test. Is, yeah, that, yeah that's that, the best one. Yeah, in my opinion, I believe that's the best one. Yeah. There's also lots of resources out there that we can link, uh, uh, like lots of books out there about the Enneagram. Some of them we're going to yeah. talk about on this podcast. Um, yeah. Well, and we're always, you and I are always doing studying and learning more about the Enneagram. Absolutely. And so we're, 
it's something that's been really impactful for both yours and my life. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not shy about it. I think the Enneagram helped save my marriage, just knowing yeah. how to communicate with my wife better uh, and her knowing how to communicate with me better. Yeah. Uh, it's been super helpful, super impactful. And so we kind of default to it more so because before the Enneagram, I had taken every personality test known to man. Sure. And I just didn't find as any of them as impactful as the Enneagram was for me. Yeah, the Enneagram for me as a, a social work student, um, I have to interact with lots of different people from different walks of life. Um, and it, while I may not know their Enneagram number, like right up front, because of my knowledge of the Enneagram, I can pick out qualities yeah. of each and and kind of get a, a general idea of their personality. And, and it it's, makes conversation easier. And, and interaction yeah. easier. Um, and, and with that said, once you understand who you are and how you tick, it does make it a lot easier yeah. in communicating with God. Yeah, for sure. And so I think I think for for our listeners, that's what's important to know about the Enneagram is sure. that it's a way for us to say it's a foundation for us to build upon that as we talk about these other spiritual practices we can say, hey, for all you eights out there, yeah. this practice probably works well for you, Yeah. right? Uh, so the one that I keep coming back to is, you know, my wife is an Enneagram 4. And for those of you that don't know, that means that she's really in her feels. <laughs> she <laughs> the, the beauty and melancholy type. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, I think about... Uh, reading the Old Testament as God's designing the temple and the tabernacle, he makes very clear declarations about senses and smells. Maybe we should look at that. We don't include, uh, no category do we include smells as incorporated into worship services. We never utilize that. And yet God was very particular about yeah. how things smelled. At least in, in Protestantism, we don't. But yeah, that's other, other that's traditions will Other traditions incense. and expressions probably do. But yeah. in, in Protestantism, and specifically in evangelicalism, nobody does. No. And so for her, like yeah. her devotion time can be really enhanced right. through a candle or, or something that adds to the senses, the experience. Yeah. Sure. Um, and right now I can tell you this smells good in here. This this yeah. Elijah Rising candle smells good. This, this tobacco and cedar candle. smells pretty good. It does I, smell I really good. I promise they're not a sponsor. <laughs> no, we just love the work that they do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, anyways, so this this idea of the Enneagram can be really impactful yeah. to, to your everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about the Enneagram. We're going to talk a lot about different spiritual disciplines and about prayer um, specifically, um, and, and as you listen, we want you to to really dive into what works for you. Yeah. Um, and maybe it doesn't work every day. Maybe there's certain things that work for you every day, and certain things that don't. Right. And, and maybe it changes throughout your life. Um, that's what this podcast is designed for: is to help you find what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>